Welcome to the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I'm Andrew Whaley. Today we're going to talk about the ritualization of violence. Yeah. And this is a difficult topic in some ways because it's so wide-ranging and so far-reaching in terms of history and and present. Um, and at the end of the podcast, we are going to engage in actual martial combat until one of us is too injured to go on. We're going to fight on the air. Uh, well, maybe we could do that in a ritualized way. Perhaps we could... <laughs> Our uh, wrestle. We could thumb wrestle. I was thinking maybe more like, um, you know, uh, we could make some origami figures and then they could fight each other. <laughs> oh, we should have a dance fight, like like, like West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't sing that well. I can't sing well. What about a breakdance battle? Let's have a breakdance battle at the end of this. That would be a form of ritualized violence. I'm, I'm pretty good. So, you know? yeah. Andrew, what what is, I mean... It seems like there's violence all over the place, right? So what's ritualized violence? Um, what's the difference between real, regular violence and ritualized violence? Well, I think there's a couple different forms of ritualized violence. There's, there's ritualized violence in the sense that we take something that is violent or seems violent and we put it into a context that's safer so we can watch. Either it's non-existent, like in a movie... It's, and it's just all kabuki. It looks like violence, but it's not. Or we tame it down and turn it into football or um, boxing, or maybe more, or, or, the, or more violent would be boxing, and even more violent would be like UFC fighting or yeah. something. Um, I, I guess I'm, I mean, they, what I'm, I'm wondering is whether the way to categorize it is that there's some real violence mm-hmm. that is ritualized. And then well, that's the other thing I was going to say, like the ISIS guys cutting people's heads off in a very stylized way right. on the beach. Or, or any kind of public know, execution. Public executions or, you know, to make an example, you know, like right. the Romans used to crucify all of these people and leave them up there for a long time. Violence as a spectacle for the sake of some other end. Right. So that would be... So, so but is, that's not really violence. So there, there that's, is that's, there is violence that is un that is not ritualized. Okay, right. It's like a bar fight, for example. But they do it in a ritual manner. They, yeah, oh yeah, it's not so, done. So there is some violence yeah. that is not ritualized. Yeah, there's okay. bar fights are not. And then, ritualized. and then there is some violence that is ritualized, like public executions, right, or uh, public floggings or something like this. But then there is. Um, but you, a bar fight, I mean, man, this is really subtle because a bar fight could be ritualized in the sense that maybe – You're like following a script in a certain sense. No, well, no one is – yeah, you are, you're following a cultural meme. Right. Oh, you knocked over my beer and you won't apologize, so therefore this is what has to happen because I will look bad in front of my friends. Right. It's like an honor-shame thing. Yeah. Or you – this guy didn't do anything to deserve to get hit, but you're wanting to impress your girlfriend or so you want to impress a woman or something. So the, the end, the pain or the killing or whatever okay. is, is, is not the end let's, of the okay. act. Right? Let's try to find a form of violence that is not ritualized. Well, I say just like um, I don't think all violence is ritual. No, no, just like defending yourself. I mean, you know, if you were attacked. Or something. I mean, if you want to, or you know, if somebody, if somebody tried to rob you, you're in your house, and you come in, and next thing you know, somebody grabs you from behind, and they try to get you because they want to take your things, and you fight yeah. back. I mean, that's not. No one's watching. There's nothing yeah, I mean, ritual I guess, about I, it. What I'm thinking of is like maybe like a riot, like we yeah. have a mob of people that start doing violent acts uh, in a disorganized way. I mean, and or even uh, combat, like a, a, a military battle. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there are certain ritual elements, right? right? I mean, like, especially in a, in a sort of traditional warfare situation, right. all of the combatants are wearing ritual clothing, right, that right. identifies them. They're in units, right? right? And <laughs> They're marching and beating a drum. Right, with, yeah, no, no. I mean, there with, are, with big the, banners a, on either in, side, right? In what we would consider, like, a traditional military battle, there are a lot of ritual elements. Yeah. Uh, even in a very modernized setting. Um, and you see this in the movies, like, whether it's Braveheart or the American Revolution, the two sides ride out to the middle and they right. talk to each other and they say, I demand satisfaction or right. no, we will not move, you know, and then they decide, well, no, we really are going to go through with this and they don't kill each other. Right. Then right. they turn around and go back and then they all like, and then they charge and, right. Right. you know. Well, and the, the, there are certain things in uh, a traditional military battle that have uh, ritual components. So, for example, if you want to surrender to the other side, right, you wave your white flag. Right. Right. And then like literally go over the yeah, and they they will respect that ritual at least hopefully right yeah and take you as prisoner instead of killing you and and it's funny because that's it's it's so expected that I mean it would be really dishonorable to kill people that came with a white flag I'm sure it happens all the time in, right in real warfare situations. right but it's like you know they brought a flag I'm sorry Eddie is it raises it um, it's it, 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 it's almost like, hey, there's these rules. There, and, and this is like, it's so funny because you would think, oh no, it's violence. You're just trying to kill each other. But there are like all these rules and yeah. So, so the maybe the the so we talked about uh, non-ritual violence and ritual violence that's real violence, like public execution, or the gladiators would fit in there as well. Right. But I think also there's like this category of, of what you might call pseudo violence. Right, right, um, which is like boxing or football other, or other full contact sports, right? Where the com- the athletes, right, or combatants are engaged uh, in some sort of competition mm-hmm. that involves their bodies and physical contact, and you know a little bit. Of, well, f- fighting, right? like but, like boxing, UFC, martial arts. These things are different than football in the sense that well, the vi- the violence or the or fi- well no that would be different though because these things are the violence is the sport right you get hit and you have a technical knockout I mean the guy has been hit too many times he can't keep right. going right or you knock a guy out and he can't get up right it's it you win by doing violence right whereas yeah, don't you win by doing violence in football. No, because you could pass and run. No one could even touch each other barely, except for defense on, on the line. I mean, it's it's not you're trying to get the ball down there, and you're willing to block bodies with bodies and yeah. tackle people. But the point is, that you're trying to get a you're trying to move a ball. Somewhere. Yeah, you're not trying to hurt a person. Whereas with whereas hands. with yeah. like UFC, you're literally trying you're to trying to person. cause enough pain that right. they submit, or trying to right. get them to where they can't move, or at least hold them down long enough. You're trying to keep him from being able to get up. Yeah, right. so wrestling is kind of an interesting medium between those two right. extremes, right? Where in wrestling, you're trying to disable the person, but not to injure the person. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, you're just basically trying to get them to, to not be able to wrestle you. Right. Pinning them. Right. Um, so it's. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's almost like um, a more complicated form of tackling. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that were, it's ritualized tackling. It's ritualized yeah. tackling. Um, so, but, but then there's um, beyond. So, okay, so there's. I'm just trying to get the spectrum right. So there's non ritual violence, right? There's ritualized real violence, like in a battle or right. in uh, public ex- executions, which I want, kind of want to separate into two different categories. Yeah, those are kind of different, yeah. And then there's ritual violence that is. Non-lethal, <laughs> uh, like UFC or right. or boxing, uh, 
And then there is pseudo-violence, as in, like, football. And then you get more pseudo when it... When it becomes artistic. Artistic, like, artistic violence in the sense of, like, movies or... So depictions of violent acts that are are fictional. Yeah, so it's like that really isn't a bomb going off. Right. That really isn't a bullet hitting him. But it's actually, like, ketchup. That's not blood. right? Right. But... But I guess the, the thing that we're trying to get at, I think, that what we were talking about before, the, the reason this is interesting is, like, why do we do this? Right. I mean, it, seem, <laughs> like, it, seem, it seems there are very few, very, there's very few, very universal impulses. Right. And, man, it's, you know, food. Eat, sleep. Eat, eat sleep, sex, and um, religion. You know, and violence. Uh, and violence, yeah. Eat, sex. Sleep, religion, violence. Now, what is it about violence or the need to kind of reckon with violence or somehow contain it but still experience it? What is that? It, it, seems, it seems so – it seems inherent to us. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as a it's species. probably worth reflecting on, like, a few other – I mean, a few instances of ritualized violence that we all know about, right? So, like, uh, human sacrifice. right. For one, which is a real kind of violence, which you see in a lot of places, in possibly in ancient Egypt uh, and certain places around the Mediterranean, certainly in pre-Columbian culture, like mm-hmm. Aztecs engaged in uh, ritual sa- human sacrifice. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you can think of other examples of it. But that, as well, it sounds this is going to sound horrible, but it's that's almost understandable in the sense that that is the religious impulse. Right, but it's, it's gone. Itself but it's man, it's gone awry, right? Somehow they've figured see, out. I don't know if I see a real difference. Meaning, meaning that a lot of the rituals that surround violence are very religious. I mean, just think of ISIS, for example. Right, right, right? or um, or think of the Japanese, like and the samurai. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, that's, but that's not the. How to say it? That's not; those aren't properly speaking human sacrifice. Those are killing for intimidation and retribution, or killing for the sake of honor with the no, samurai. I mean, well, or even so, self-killing with, for the no, sake of for, samurai. For ISIS, right? It's they are enacting their uh, religion by committing these acts of atrocity, right? They are enacting Sharia law, and the people that are being killed. Right, are uh-huh. being killed according to Sharia law, at least in their opinion. I mean, obviously not all right. Muslims agree. Well, I mean, it's, it's 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 seventh century medieval Sharia law. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, they're yeah, trying to go back. It's a very and, specific extremist interpretation of, right. of Islamic law. But in their religious imagination, what they're doing right. by doing these beheadings is not just intimidating people or or trying to. But I'm saying that make they're, a statement. They're they're they're, they're bringing about justice. Whereas the the virgin that gets drug up and killed with a lava knife on top of the volcano or something in pre-Columbian culture, you know, like the the you know the the crazy you know actual human sacrifice where this person who didn't do anything is tied to the rock and now they're going right. to get killed. That's not that that that's something very different than retribution. This is like offering. This is a sacrifice. This is what you would do to a goat or something in some ancient religion, you know, yeah. which is different than what ISIS is doing. ISIS is trying to pay someone back or to defend God from some kind of dishonor that's been done him by these people's actions or they wore blue jeans or what you know whatever yeah. it was, you know. But the human sacrifice per se 
would be more of a religious act than it is an act of actual violence. It's a misplaced understanding of, of religion. Yes, well, right. So I don't think the ISIS people think that they're offering human sacrifices, right? Right. No, they're not offering they think Allah that they're, they're human sacrifices. They're enacting sacrifice. Sharia law, right? In fact, if someone offered human sacrifices mm-hmm. to Allah, they would cut their head off on a beach right? for doing so. Right. But it's like it's a thin line right there, right? You know, it's like... A, yeah. No, so... It, but it is it, it is distinct. Um, I was going to say the... The, the Japanese like samurai culture is really interesting in this respect, right? That it was an honorable way to die uh, to commit seppuku, right? Suicide, right? Or harikiri. Uh, <laughs> Which I was calling Harry Carey the yeah. other day. <laughs> so, and, Ritual suicide used to announce for the Cubs? I, mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that, I mean, that is really a kind of part of the honor-shame impulse. Right. Right. Um, that under certain circumstances you would be shamed and not permitted to commit seppuku, right? And, right. Which is kind of freaky in and of itself. So um, what is um? But then you look at these other forms, like, like what is it? The football thing, the boxing thing, the UFC thing, or the movie thing. Somehow we we want to take. It's interesting. I think that the non-ritualized violence is mostly what we reproduce. It's battle or um, contest, you know, you know, where your self-defense kind of contest or something. It's not. You don't see. There's no sport that looks like. Oh, we're we modeled this after human sacrifice. You know, you don't see that. You see, you see, it's it's modeled after combat, usually hand to hand combat of some kind, or maybe like in martial arts or fencing, it's modeled right. after blade combat, or so, weapon okay, so combat. But that's an interesting know. distinction, right? That 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 what is ritualized uh, is the non ritual violence. Yeah. So you don't normally have a pseudo violence activity right. that somehow mimics like public execution for example right. at least I can't think of can't think of anything um, I mean you have certain aspects of it like with the gladiatorial combat <laughs> I'm thinking of like I, the high dive you know <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's the high dive is kind of like jumping off into the volcano or yeah. something you know? yeah. it's like it's a uh, I'm thinking of Joe versus the volcano now. I can picture Tom Hanks. Or the, the divers at Acapulco you know, jumping off the cliff. Or Casa Bonita. Yeah. yeah I've, never right. been, I've never been to Casa Bonita. Oh, you've got to go. You've got to go. In case you're wondering, Casa Bonita is a restaurant in Denver that's been around forever. It was made famous on South Park. Uh, and it's it's basically a Mexican restaurant, all you can eat. It's huge, and it has... I mean, probably has enough seating for a thousand people. But in the middle of it, it has uh, a waterfall and cliff divers. Dude, we gotta do this. And it has a guy in a gorilla suit running around. Okay, let's it's get bizarre. Let's get let's get some people together. All right, and go, and to, Casa go to Casa Bonita. I really want to go. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And it, it's like something you have to do once. It, if you live is. in Denver, Colorado, yeah. you have to do it, it once. You right? do have to go. It's just ridiculous. The whole place is insane. I'm excited. Um, we haven't we haven't mentioned the gladiators, for example. Right. So there there is a really interesting situation where they are doing public executions right but in this highly theatrical way that is like mimicking and reproducing historical events right like i, I the one i mentioned earlier is there's a, a classic 
story that you see depicted in paintings, the rape of the Sabine women, right? Right, which is an early event, super early on in Rome. Right, Rome it's, a, it's in the it's in the six hundreds BC or something. Yeah, right? so it's like it's a quasi mythological event. It's so so old, you know. But it's it happened. But I mean, it's like it's been stylized. It's been home. You know, it's like sure. Homer or something, right? And and so they would replicate that, except they would have prisoners like Christian women or something that would be and and, and there people that they were killing because they were you know fought against the emperor or something and they would actually rape people and kill people telling the story of this rape and pillage of this people and people would line up they buy refreshments and sit in the stands and watch this yeah. I mean just perverse yeah. I mean we have a pretty perverse society but I can't imagine people going down the den to the Bronco Stadium and buying a bunch of popcorn and hot dogs to watch people, you know, raped and killed. I mean, I mean, no one, I don't, I can't think of anybody would do that, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're on our way back to that. I mean, I mean, we certainly are becoming more and more numbed because of the, the rich, the, the representational violence and the filming of ritualized violence, right. like beheading videos and stuff like that. I mean, it's right. like, maybe we are becoming so numb to it. I know I personally, We'll sit and watch the news, and it's like, you know, so and so was killed, and oh, this person got killed, and this person was kidnapped, and they've, you know, this happened, this other horrible thing happened, and these people starved, and I'm just sitting there having some Ben and Jerry's and a glass of wine, going, oh, well, that's horrible, but it doesn't hit you the way you, you should break down in tears. Oh my God! Yeah, this, I can't watch the news. This kid, this kid was um, kidnapped. I, just, I should, I, I should stop everything it. and weep and pray or something. Yeah. But instead, I eat some more Ben and Jerry's because you see it all day, every day. You yeah. become numb to it, right? You know. So, but so, uh, what, what are we trying to do, Mark? As, as we as we ritualize this violence, we try to contain it somehow. We try to put a hedge of rules around it. We limit it somehow. But what are we reckoning with? Yeah, I, mean, I think there are, there are maybe two different ways to think about this. So one is to think about our paleo past and like our heritage of hunting. Right. Uh, and to think of a lot of uh, violence as somehow rooted in that prehistorical experience right. of being hunted or engaging in hunting. Right. Uh, and that some of the origins of a, lo- a lot of religion is tied back to like these kind of rituals that would surround the hunt. Right. Um, which, I mean, reached their apex in crazy things like King Louis of France, you know, hunting in the Louvre, right? So the Louvre was built really? not as an art museum, but as a hunting palace. No. So that, yeah, so that he could hang out in the winter and engage in hunting uh, inside. It was like the first, uh, like, Superdome, right? <laughs> but not for football, but for hunting. That's um, amazing. I had no idea. Yeah, it's completely insane. I don't, I don't know if... I don't know how how much that vision actually got realized or not, but so so that sort of reaches apex with things like that, or or like the British fox hunt, right? Yeah. Where you put on your red jacket and ride your horse and you know do the fox hunt in the wilderness. Um, so there's that that hunting idea, but I think there's also um, uh, in, in terms of thinking of, about ritual itself, like what rituals are, right, is a way for us to enact our identity, right, through doing some sort of action, mm-hmm. um, and. I think our society is, is, is kind of in denial about this because in some ways we really underplay rituals and don't take them very seriously mm-hmm. um, or, or think that they're unimportant. But then we, we, we realize inside ourselves that they really are important. So I'm mean, like one of the ones that I, I like to think about is graduation ceremonies, right? I'm a professor, right? So right. I think about these things. And um, 
I think a lot of times uh, a lot of universities or a lot of people that put on the the ceremonies don't take them very seriously. No. Right? And it's, it's, it's like, oh, it's just something we have to do. You know, it's just like another event on the calendar or whatever. Right. But then, like, when you start thinking about the how the students feel about the ceremony, mm. like, they fly their family in from around the country to attend yeah. the graduation ceremony. Like, they take it really you know, seriously. You know, it's funny. It's like uh, the, the college I went to, the graduation ceremony is... I mean, it's, there's a mass in the middle of it. It's 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 a, we're, it's a religious institution, mm-hmm. and we take education really, really seriously. is 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 a very holy sure. thing to do. And so, I mean, you literally get to the you, you. There's a moment when you're just pronounced. You are among those who know to yeah. the degree of a Bachelor of Arts and Liberal right. Arts. And that's when you realize what the word degree means for the first time. You know, yeah. to this degree. Well, it makes me think of being at Catholic University of America. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, graduation ceremony, or, or I'm thinking more of like the baccalaureate mass, or yeah. an opening ceremony each year. All the faculty of the whole university would show up yeah. wearing their robes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, and so you see all of the different departments and all the different schools and yeah. all the colors that represent yeah. uh, the discipline. Like convocation? Yep. Uh, hey, and, I remember signing in. And you go all, up and you sign the book. Right, and they all, yeah. they all march in in this ritual fashion. And I don't think a lot of them take it very seriously, you know, because it's like, oh, this is something that's antiquated that we still do, that's right. whatever. But, um, but then on the other hand, I mean, I think that when people think back to, say, their college experience or whatever, they remember their graduation ceremony. That's what mm-hmm. they think of as this kind of rite of passage. Um, so, but th- so there are other things like this in our culture, though, like marriage, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously is, has been a ritual act from time immemorial, right, from prehistory or whatever. So, okay. And, and, and yet there are a lot of people that don't take it seriously and, like, go to the J- Justice of the Peace or whatever, and, like, there's hardly even witnesses, you know? Okay, now here's, now here's what's interesting, though, is that we ritualize these milestones in education, sure, um, we have a bar mitzvah or a confirmation. We ritualize milestones in in the maturation process or the like baptism, baptisms. Like, like, like a happy event. Yeah, yeah. we ritualize um, uh, these different things, marriage and the joining of covenants like that. And these are the kinds of things we ritualize, but we ritualize violence, right? So, what is it about violence? That is, and I think what it is, is that I think it's a way to reckon with something that is deep within us. And I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you brought up kind of our paleo past, right? I mean, we really are a species that was shaped by violence and the threat of violence. I mean, just think about the fight or flight response, right? If I, if you're standing, if you came in before, if you came into this room, set down your stuff, but your hands were full, so you didn't turn the lights on, and I had snuck down here. And you had a spear. And No, and I just jumped <laughs> up from behind you and went, and I grabbed yeah. you. What would happen is your, your heart rate would like shoot up, cortisol adrenaline, cortisol, yeah. your pupils would dilate more so you could see better in the... You, you would, all these things, when you look at all these minute things that happen to you, when you get scared and you have that... Physiological things. Physiological yeah. things that happen to you when you have the fight or flight response, they're all things that make you more fit for combat 
for survival to make you faster, to see better, to not feel pain as much. All these things happen to you. So there's something even physiologically in us where we were kind of shaped by the need for violence and the reality of violence on a day to day. So maybe, um, and then, it, and I think as Americans, we're having this conversation because we don't have to deal with that anymore on a day to day basis here in most neighborhoods. Right. But it, if you were living in Beirut or something, you're living in Afghanistan. If you're living in you know Nigeria right now or whatever, right. you you'd this be prepared. Yeah. You'd, you this would be much more a reality right. to you, right? But we just go to Trader Joe's and buy some. Brussels sprouts and maybe, you know, <laughs> our fight or flight response kicks. I love that the, the vegetable that you chose to represent a peaceful society is Brussels well, sprouts. Well, I, I need Brussels sprouts right now, and I'm going to go buy some on my way home. <laughs> They're on your mind. Because I'm going to make. You just offloaded them off of your mind. They're not in there anymore. Okay, so just just sidebar. I'm going to make. I'm going to try to replicate from the populist downtown here in Denver. I had roasted Brussels sprouts with um, pork belly. And it, and That's it, Friday in Lent. Uh, I'm not going to have it today. Oh, I won't okay. have it tomorrow. With um, a bacon with, – with, I'm sorry, with a bourbon maple sriracha glaze. And they were amazing. Give me the recipe for that bourbon maple sriracha thing. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I've got Brussels sprouts, but I used them on something. So now and I've got the mm. pork belly, so i got to go buy some more Brussels sprouts because mm. it's going to snow this weekend. Oh, right. we have to get our predictions on the – on the snow so that we can see whether we're right or not. Okay, but we won't talk about what what really happened until the next episode. I'm not going to edit this thing. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Okay. So I'm predicting <laughs> 10 inches or less. Okay, there's a big, the sno- there's a big snow predicted. This is, this is, we're recording this on the 20th. And this weekend, they're predicting a huge snow. Mark thinks it's completely overblown. I think we're going to get blown out of the water. So you're predicting what? Ten or less, you said, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm predicting at least a foot. No. Over the weekend. No way. Okay, and we're, and we're talking in Denver, where we live. In Denver, yeah. Not in some other place in Colorado. Not even in, not, not even, mountains. not even where we're at right now, no, 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 we're where, where you we and live. I live. Yeah. Like we, we live, live very close to each we other. We live fairly close to each yeah. other, yeah. All right. Okay, I'm going so to win this one. You're going 10 inches or under. I'm going a foot or over. Yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. so what no, What about who gets 11 inches? It's probably going to snow 11 inches. And then we can both have Brussels sprouts with okay, so urban maple sriracha let's, sauce. You want to split Where's the, the over under? You want to split the difference and just say you're going to say 11 or under and I'm going to say 11 or over? Sure. Okay. There we go. Okay, that so way we, we have it down. If it's at 11, exactly, it's an even tie. <laughs> and we'll okay. call it. What, are we betting something? No, 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 no. no. I said we bet a bottle of wine. For e- after Easter, because I gave up alcohol call for lunch. Okay, let's get back to violence. No, literally, let's let's get... Oh, okay. Come on, let's, let's do yeah. this. Come on, let's do this. Yeah, no, it makes me remember, But first, let me put my uniform on and beat this drum. It makes me remember this time I, when I was living in Washington, D.C. and late at night, and this is the only time this ever happened, I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard something, you know, hearing something. Yeah. And it's like this kind of murmuring sound. Like, what is that? And all of a sudden I start recognizing these human voices. And there's like two groups of voices that are like... And you're at home? Murmuring at each other, yeah. And basically there's like a gang fight going on in the parking lot of my apartment complex. <laughs> okay? Awesome. And there are two groups of, of, uh, of men, right, um, who are like cussing each other out but in this kind of like weird like 
I don't even know how to describe it. It was it was like ritual cussing, if that makes any sense. Where like one group is sort of yelling at the other group, and, and then the other group is yelling back. And then they had, and then they started snapping. Yeah, and they had they had spying. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then the the orchestra came in. No, it was just so weird. I'd never heard anything like that before. Um, but it it showed to me, I guess. I mean, in the context of this ritualization of violence conversation, that they viewed their identities as somehow connected to the fight. Right. Right. And that what they're doing by prefacing the fight by this kind of ritual cussing out of each other um, is enacting their identity as members of the gang. Let's have a ritual cussing at the end of this. Well, you know what? The, I mean, let's, ritual, thing, let's ritually cuss each other. Another thing this makes me uh, think about, I was just, um, I was just uh, <laughs> listening to something about um, like men's style. Yeah. Right? And like you would think that uh, men with a lot of testosterone wouldn't care very much about their appearance. Right. But in fact, it's the reverse. Oh. So men with low testosterone don't care about their appearance, and men with high testosterone do. So where you can see this, right, is like in the biker gang, right, where they care a lot about what their motorcycle looks like, what their jacket looks like, what their bandana looks like, or wh- whatever. Uh, or in, or in a, just a street gang. Right, where you Man, wear... I'm kind of. I'm, I feel bad about this because I'm just. <laughs> I'm just wearing some corduroys and an unshirt, tuck shirt. You're rocking like a, a really nice blue tie. You like really put it together. I mean, I mean, I think I might be. Uh, you, you're trying to intimidate me with your level of testosterone, sh- as shown by your style. Well, I'm not well, going to be you know, intimidated. The low T center is only a few blocks away. I saw that sign. It's like <laughs> maybe that's what I need—a good shot of testosterone. I come in, I'm just like, I'm I'm balding, but really mad all the time. But I mean, like, so so, but uh, where where do we get off of the the bandwagon? Uh, ritual cussing, right? So so there's this gang that's enacting their identity as a gang, yeah. right? By engaging in a gang fight. They really don't want to kill people, right? They're not interested in that, I don't think, right? But it's it's like part of their identity, right? right? So that's the way it's being exercised. In the same way, um, oh man, oh, there's so many connections that are making. I mean, you think of like um, the ISIS beheadings, right? right? And how they wear the the ISIS guys wear these like black ninja looking uniforms, right? Right during the the thing, and they always put the prisoner in a ritual costume in the. And in, he's in, in a subservient. They put him in a subservient position, and they right. show the fear right. on his face. Right. And they or, or um, if you think of the, did you watch Apocalypto? No, which is a terrifying movie. But I, I really recommend you watch. Really it. good. I've heard it's. It, it's really violent, but a very interesting movie because it pre- depicts what Aztec culture was like before the arrival of the the Europeans, right? Mm-hmm. And they paint the ritual victims blue. Right, that's part of the of the whole thing. So if you go back and you look at like depictions of, um, and now I'm now I'm starting to freak out. That's really the Mayans and not the Aztecs. Uh, but we know the Aztecs get engaged in ritual sacrifice that engaged that included flaying people. Yeah. Um, but I think it might be the the Mayan civilization that it depicts. I have to, I have to Google it. But the, but the point is right that there's you know, this is good there's, that you, there's this is ritual good that costume that goes along with the ritualization of violence right so you've got football players in uniforms you've got military officers and and mil, uh, military uh, people in uniform you've got um, these ancient uh, pre-Columbian human sacrifices that are taking place in some sort of uniform even the samurai right wear ritual clothing yeah 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 right? uh, and I, I mean it's just well, I mean, you see that everywhere. I mean, you see, you go, you watch Discovery Channel, and you see these, 
tribes off in the Amazon. They are going out to hunt or do battle. They're like painting themselves with these certain white lines and they're wearing these feathers. Or There's something about the preparation of yourself with some kind of adornment or some kind of specific, I don't know, maybe it's religion, maybe it's just, you know, a demarcation or something, but there's something about that related to violence. Well, yeah, or think of, like, Native Americans and, like, um, uh, battle paint. Right, right? Yeah. Or, you know, just getting yourself ready for battle involves painting your face. And part of that is kind of like a, how to say it, it's, a, it's like visualization for Olympians or something. It's how you get into the zone. You right. get ready, you get yourself right. worked up, you get yourself... You know, you start, you know, any kind of compassion or mercy you might have or whatever. You're kind of like getting in that mindset where, you know, I'm going to go do battle. Right. I have to turn that off. I have to I have to be ready to fight. I have to be ready to kill. You know, I have to. So maybe it's a ritual in a sense that, like, it turn, it puts you into a different space mentally. Because so, maybe it's hard to do. I mean, it's, I would think it'd be hard to do. I've never been in war. I've never, thank God. I mean. So uh, this is where I think we should try to connect um, all these things to art. Okay. And artistic violence. I mean, so I mean, one of the most dramatic examples of artistic violence is the crucifix. Right. You know. That's interesting. Yeah. Right, where there's like, there's this very violent act in the past. Right. That we revisit as Catholics, right, again right. and again. Um, and one of the ways we revisit it is by meditating upon the crucifix. Right, where right. there's a man who's being executed in one of the most horrifically violent ways that which is man the, has ever which is invented. A, which is like if is the modern it would be the modern equivalent of like oh I have a little electric chair around my neck on a right. on, on a necklace I mean it's like I'm you're looking at this instrument of corporal um, murder you right. know or the right. you know governmental retributional murder you know right it's yeah I mean it's it's kind of strange I mean, and I get it when people think that the our, our art the depiction of martyrs and stuff like that is creepy. I mean, it is creepy. I mean, you know, you went to the Bone Church and uh, right, yeah, the, yeah. the Bone no, Church well, is creepy. I, I mean, I think it's a matter of um, if if you don't understand what's going on, or you're not, you're, if you're not right. plugged into it, uh, then it doesn't make sense, right? So, for example, like the Passion of the Christ, right, right. could be viewed as a kind of like. Uh, a sort of like horror movie or like right. a slasher flick, or and something. a lot of people, a lot of people uh, looked at it that way. All right. they saw was the the, the violence. So and I have guts. to admit, don't get me wrong. After watching the Passion of the Christ, I can never just like you know, I'm never sitting around saying my rosary and I skirt through like okay, the second sorrowful mystery, the scourging of the pillar, our, right. our Father. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that, that image is forever burned into my mind, right? right. I mean, so right. it wasn't tense, I admit it, but it wasn't violence for the sake of violence. Right. Right. The, the the story, it was violence for the sake of the narrative. It's really interesting that those two Mel Gibson movies came up, right? There's something, he's got, he's, I mean, he's just... I'm Braveheart, too. Right? I, I mean, mean no, you know. no, his movies really kind of, like, you, you get the sense that he's very interested in violence. Well, and, you know, when he says, um, you know, I mean, he's obviously a very troubled guy. Clearly. Right, and, and he said... Clearly. And, 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 you know, he's an alcoholic and stuff, and he's been very vocal about that. But he said, I remember hearing him, hearing him say one time in an interview, or like, or, or was a quote, back when that big thing happened with a big controversy with the guy that was writing the, that right. Ju- the Judas Maccabee story, and he right. published a... Uh, the thing it was there were that in that article that I read about that they quoted Mel as saying that I don't know what it is but there's somewhere inside me there's just this deep rage yeah that I have to deal with 
And I think that that's, I don't know if that's the fact that there's something massively wrong with Mel or if he's just maybe more in touch with something that's for this, for, for good hidden a little deeper in the rest of us. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe there is a rage within us cause maybe it's kind of written in. I mean, we know that you can, you, I mean, you're, you're a, a fairly nonviolent kind of human being. You're a college professor. You wear blazers and ties and sit around and read books. Right. But if I scare you, or if I jump up and act like I'm going to punch you or something, you're physically, all these physiological responses happen to you to make you faster and lighter and quicker and see better and to be able to punch. I mean, it's like everything you have written into your DNA, the ability to be better for combat at an instant. Right. And it's more in men because of testosterone. So it's like, it's not something we can really get away from. And I think that's why we have such a hard time reckoning with it in all these different ways in different societies and different contexts, right? Yeah, well... Am I making any sense? No, yeah, no, no. It's just making me think about, like, I mean, the almost the kind of, like, what, what, what do we do about this question, right? Um, yoga. Do, you know, we do lots like, of yoga like how and do you, just drink chamomile tea. Like, what's, <laughs> what is the best way to go about... Um, dealing with that rage inside or dealing with the violence, mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, we were talking earlier before we started recording about, like, these experiences of being threatened and then, like, reacting with, like, this kind of... Um, where you almost get overcome by, like, uh, a, a desire for survival and mm -hmm. a desire mm -hmm. to, to hurt another person uh, because of the, the threat that you've experienced, right? The kind of fight-or-flight response mm -hmm. where the mm -hmm. fight kicks in instead mm -hmm. of the flight. Um, and that there's there there are ways in which we don't want to tap into that mm -hmm. but maybe one of the ways to um to handle it right is to kind of let some of the pressure out sometimes right by say for example engaging in sports right or ritualized combat like martial arts i think that's what horror movies are about right or yeah and just engaging with it emotionally through um uh yeah i mean uh, i i mean i i can't watch horror movies but i'm 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 okay with slasher films and stuff like that, but when it comes to like demonic stuff or you know yeah. I I've seen too much. I just, I'm not, I'm not, it's like that's I, that's the that yeah I don't like that stuff. I don't like the I don't like I mean like just big dopey monsters. Right. I'm okay with yeah. Um, just like Jason, you know what the catch? Not a big deal, but but when it's real, real like realistic a kidnapping or something like that, that happens and that freaks right, me out right. or the demonic stuff really freaks me out. But if it's just like, Oh, here's the big bugaboo. He's got the head of a such and such and he's going through the woods, getting people. I mean, I'm fine with monsters or whatever. It doesn't really scare so, me. Um, but so, so it seems like there are really unhealthy ways for dealing with violence, like the rage inside, right? Like serial killing or yeah. something like Well, it's that. making me think of, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about all these different uh, rituals, but one, one, that we didn't, one that we didn't talk about is where are the art and the um, ritual come together, and that's mm -hmm. in video games, right? Where you're, uh. not, you're not just watching something on a screen take place, right. you're making it happen. Right, and right? that's and and almost all of the serial killer, you know, mass shooting people were big into super violent video games. Wow, right, where they practice killing people in a video game, 
um, and keeping their heart rate down while doing it and that kind of thing. Well, and then that and then go and actually enact the real violent act. Well, and that's look, look, it's getting to the point where that same skill set is now being used for actual combat. Right, yeah, in the military. Because there's right. drones right. and stuff. I mean, right. you're literally sitting there playing a video game, right. except real people are dying on the other end. Exactly. I mean, I, mean, I think we're, you know, 25, 30 years away from there being, like, robot armies, robot armies <laughs> running around. You know, it's like big, giant machines. There, you know, there are certain yeah. things about the future that just haven't happened yet. We haven't gone to Mars. We haven't got flying cars, and there are no robot armies. What's going on? You know? Right. You know what? I always, I always <laughs> say that... Um, like I'm 44. I thought that by the time I was 40, I'd have six kids and I'd be we'd all be flying around in jetpacks. You know, it's like here I am. I'm still single. It's just a fuel and where's my jetpack? I want just a fuel problem. I have to commute in a car. We have real jetpacks. You can only fly for 30 seconds, though. It's ridiculous. I, you can't get very far in 30 seconds. No, I want to. No. Yeah, they I, need better fuel. I just want to be able to just like you know fly someplace. I mean, how fun yeah. would that be? So, I think that I think that what this comes down to is that there is. Violence, unfortunately, I'm not going to say out of necessity. Well, hunting and stuff within a set is a necessity, but violence or slaughtering animals. Slaughtering animals, yeah. Um, animal doing violence to animals is a necessity if you're going to eat in along with eat our animal products with our meta- eggs. with our metabolic heritage, which I'm a, you know me and my paleo kick. I'm very big on eating things that used to have a face, but. Um, or the face of themselves, like, you know, like head cheese or something. Um, but at the same time, there's whether it's needed or not, whether that was inevitable for humanity or not, the fact is, is we just have millennia upon millennia of violence of some form being a reality. It's written into our DNA, into our chemicals, into the way we react. It's there. Whenever we get stressed... You know, when your boss comes in and yells at you right. and you start sweating and you and your pulse quickens, that is a leftover response that is related to physical violence and defense of oneself. Right. Right. So well, it's kind of written into yeah, our, well, I mean, our... It also makes me think about our modern era and like the, the violent impulse being turned on oneself. Right. right. So, I mean, suicide obviously is the worst example, but there are a lot of other sort of... Like cutting and stuff? Yeah, there are a lot of intermediary examples. I mean, the most mild of which might be like chewing your nails or something. Right. But yeah, there's a lot of people that engage in cutting or other forms of self-violence, like um, eating disorders are a form of self-violence. Or, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of like, you know, extreme dieting or extreme exercise and that kind of thing. Um, Hey, speaking of, I I think I'm going to apply to The Biggest Loser. They're, 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 they're taking applications right now. They made it really easy to ask. So I want to apply the biggest loser. So. <laughs> if you've never seen us, I'm a big fat guy and Mark's a, a nice lean guy. So, right? But maybe I won't be the If I get chosen, if I'm a, yeah, then I'll be the fat guy. Then you'll be the fat guy. And I'll be like, hey, what's up, Tubby? What do you think about this topic today? I'll mock you and push you around until your fight or flight response kicks in. And, uh, and then I'll we'll, exor- exercise some ritual violence. Huh? Right, right. <laughs> so, but it's um, a, I wanted to say something else about this that just fascinates the heck out of me is um, how, how deep this ritual violence the, the, the sort of need for ritual violence goes in, ter- in sort of global political scale. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So I'm like thinking of like Russia's invasion of the Ukraine right now, right? Yeah. Where in a, in a weird way, and this might sound really bizarre, but the whole like nuclear stalemate thing that's gone on since World War II. Yeah. In, 
in some ways has just sort of increased the pressure in the pressure cooker. Right. right. The whole Cold War thing and, like, the idea of us having these giant nuclear arsenals and being able to, like, wipe out everybody on planet Earth in, like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, it all um, – to, to me, it seems like there's something really good about that, obviously, like, that, that there haven't been a lar- – there have not been world wars since the 1940s. That's great. Uh, there's something also really bad about it mm-hmm. uh, in that it doesn't sort of let the pressure out. And we didn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we, we didn't grow up in this. I mean, I kind of did a little bit. Yeah. But not compared to, like, my parents. I mean, they were know, doing the duck and really... covered. It's like, oh, there's going to be a nuclear attack. Here, get under this desk and cover right. your head. I mean, which the, is just like totally not going to do anything. The 1980s right? was a time of great uh, buildup of our nuclear arsenal. Right? I remember, do you remember um, uh, that movie, the Red Day Dawn, or well, whatever. The, 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 a bigger movie, a more important movie for this in our my generation's cultural experience of the whole nuclear thing in the eighties was uh, the day after tomorrow or the day after it was called yeah. I think where they showed this prime time event everybody watching it was a realistic what would happen if nukes went off in America right and I mean I remember I remember just sitting as being a kid sitting in the floor watching this and the nuclear bomb went off and there was a horse running across the field and it just froze and you could see the skeleton inside the horse like you, backlit. You've told the story on the uh, on the podcast before, Andrew. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that was one of those that moments that really stuck with you when you were There's a, a few big m- cultural media moments Wait, like that. But that and when the uh, when the sp- when the space shuttle blew up. The point though of, of what we were all watching, say, right, yeah. is that there this this kind of um, this violence uh, thing, this 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 uh, taste for for violence or rage, right, reaches to this kind of global political scale, and that it gets in the in the context of the nuclear stalemate, it gets kind of like frozen out or something, right? And that you you're starting to see it resurface, right? right? With the United States invading Afghanistan and Iraq, right? Or with um or with uh, Vladimir Putin, you know? Uh, yeah, we've all kind of figured out that okay, no one's going to really. Press the button. No one's going to push the button. So let's get back to sending armies to kill each other. Great. That's awesome. I I love that our species has evolved to the point where we have two options. We can either have the full-on fear of mutual annihilation with mushroom clouds or... Oh, hey, we're not going to do that. Well, then let's go back to sending boots to kill each other. I mean, it's like that's so, a bad I mean, idea in general. And but. this, I mean, this might get too far afield, but I mean, th- this whole discussion is one reason that I think it's really dangerous that the media is trying to get rid of football. Right? Yeah. They're trying to to turn football into like two hand touch playground football. Right. Right. And get rid of um, tackling and whatever because people get injured, and people do get injured, and that's bad. But right, right. If we if there isn't a ritualized form of violence like football, then things could get way worse, right? Something like UFC or boxing could become way more popular. Right? Boxing used to be way more popular than it is now, right? Mm-hmm. Boxing is being sort of relegated to this kind of like weird corner of like Las Vegas, right? Oh, it used to be like a... It used to be huge. It used to be like football, the, isn't it? The sweet science. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, but I think that there's something, there's something about those, those public spectacles and the kind of ritualized form of violence that takes place there that is very important in a, in a weird way, right, for containing or at least limiting the scope right. of our violent impulse. And I think especially um, you look at this like with like workouts and the rise of CrossFit sure. and all that stuff where it's like there's something in us that needs to tax ourselves mm-hmm. to push ourselves physically 
to the limit and you could find better ways like lifting weights or trying to climb a mountain or hiking 14ers and or even skateboarding or something dangerous where you push yourself and you push your fear and you maybe risk injury but you can take that same thing and direct it towards the accomplishment of a goal or the conquering of a, 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 a some kind of an obstacle an obstacle or something as opposed to forcing Directing it towards another being. Right. Right. And, you know, where you can, now you're afraid and you get that cortisol kick, the adrenaline kicks in, the pulse quickens, the eyes dilate, all that stuff that maybe the the bear trying to get you or the guy trying to kill you used to give you. But now you still get all that, but it's in a nonviolent way. I mean, I mean, that's right. a, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, in general, but well, and, and this is, I where, think boxing is good too. This I mean. is where sports, I mean, it's kind of really interesting in that if you think of like what hunting would have been like mm-hmm. thousands of years ago, right? You engage in this kind of athletic activity where you chase an animal, right? Then you kill the animal. And then, so, so in the context of the chase, right, you're exerting your, your body, mm-hmm. your, your heart rate is up, your, uh, you're all kind of keyed up and excited. Right. Uh, you finally kill the animal, right? And the, and all of a sudden the, um, uh, the tension is released, so to speak, right? right? And you get to eat the animal as a part of cel- celebrating, you know, your the end of your hunt, right? Right. And and then you got to pick what's left up and carry it all back. Well, right. And so now you have a long hike encumbered by a lot of weight, <laughs> right? It's like. But I'm just thinking, like, well, then you would you would probably sacrifice right part of the animal. Uh, as as part of the end of your ritual hunt, I'm not sacrificing any part of my animal. I'm not... um, it, so, but I guess what I'm saying is that sports is very similar to that experience, right? Where you uh, you know you engage in a race, for example, right? right? And then you arrive at the end of the race and you eat a meal, right? Yeah. And in ancient Greece, right, you would have offered a sacrifice to the gods and eaten a meal mm-hmm. at the end of your foot race or whatever. Hmm. Um, and it and it's so it simulates that kind of experience of of early you know Paleolithic or whatever hunting. Yeah, maybe we should start a modern a modern sport that you have to walk for a long time, and then sprint, and then you get a bunch of meat or something something heavy that's like imitates meat. You have to put it on, and then you have to carry all that back to the to the and then you get to eat a big meal. And that's like it's like a it's it's paleo hunting. On ESPN, the Ocho, you know, it's like ESPN eight, the Ocho. <laughs> after yeah, this is, this right between midget to- TV, right after yeah. midget tossing and like lawnmower races, you've got the and Survivor. <laughs> you have the go get the go get the meat race. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Meat racing. <laughs> that's good. That has to go in your paragraph. Meat racing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know. I mean I, I guess I mean I, I'm trying to kind of develop like a, a takeaway right and it's it's hard to say exactly what it is except that it seems as though the impulse to violence is um inherent like it's de- right. it's it's in us right whether we want it to be there or not and then what matters is sort of what we do with that right realization like do we act on it and if we act on it how and and we don't want to act on it in ways that are evil <laughs> right right um uh, but maybe there's a way that you can kind of harness that energy for good. Well, I think the part of this just comes down to is that we as a species are rational animals. And in some sense, those things are kind of um, – there's a part of us that we're in control of. Right. 
And there's part of us we're not. Right. Now, obviously, part of that is like, you know, oh, your liver and your, your gallbladder are doing their thing in the background. You're not thinking about every breath you take. I mean, there's part of you that's on autopilot, right? And part of us that's on autopilot from the history of our species has to do with reactions to stimuli that are for the sake of the possibility of violence. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, we it's written in us in some way. And so now we have to kind of... We have to reckon with that. But, I mean, the same way that we we wear clothes, we do these different things, we, we you know, we we don't, we, we, we've, we've chosen through reason and intention and will to not, to be more than the sum of our parts. Right. But, in, but sometimes when these things are so inherent, you know, in us or, or in our society or something, the only way to kind of not do them in the real way is to ritualize them in some way so you can control them. I, I think it's a, them. Yeah. it's a containment. And somehow us being able to have violence but have it be contained and controlled is what allows us to kind of like feel mastery over it and to be, live a largely peaceful society. Right. Right. Well, and this is where... Um, if you didn't have sports, if you didn't have... We haven't mentioned stuff, the duel, right? Yeah, the duel. That's great. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of like an... It's part of that kind of honor-shame thing, right? right? In Particularly in Western culture, right? Where you would have a duel over some sort of honor-shame problem, um, which eventually they started using firearms, which seems ridiculous to me. Um, it seems like fighting with swords would be a lot more um, fair. Or something. Uh, well, no, you just take so many paces, then you turn and fire. I mean, right. whoever's, whoever's yeah. a better aim. Yeah, no, you know? like in the old west, right? You've got you know, your, I your, read someplace. Your on your I read thing. someplace, and I can't remember where it was that that classic showdown at high noon. They're like, yeah. Yeah. you know, the spurs right. jingling, yeah. and then pow, pow. That never happened. I'm not surprised. There's no, there's no real reliable story in the history of the old West where two guys lined up in a street yeah, and then drew to see who could draw the fastest and shot each other. It never happened. Hmm. Isn't it? It's, it's something we think of. It's like, it's a, right. it's, a it's, it's a, yeah. it's a meme or a trope. It's in every single Western movie and it just never happened. Yeah. You know, which I mean, maybe once or something it's, 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 that's amazing, but it's like, yeah, we should, we should, uh, the, 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 the duel, like where he's like, you know, the guy comes and he throws his glove down and it's like, I demand satisfaction. Yeah. And then some lackey brings out the, the very heavily ornate case with the pistols in it. And right. Right. Pistols at dawn, you know, that's a, that's such a weird picture of like extreme barbaric violence in this heavily ritualized kind of like highbrow. It always makes me think of that milk commercial. Do you remember this one? Where there's this guy eating a peanut butter sandwich and listening to the radio and the radio is like, you could win a free trip to Hawaii if you can answer the question, who killed Alexander Hamilton? And he's, he's, he's a museum curator in the museum Right, that has the the duel between Alexander Hamil, Sam, Hamilton and Aaron Burr on right. display, and he's trying. He so he calls the radio station, but he can't talk because he's eating a peanut butter sandwich. Right, and he needs a glass of milk, oh. and he's trying to say Aaron Burr. Do you remember? Oh, this? I kind of remember, that, remember that. Oh my gosh, well, that, that no, but stuck in my come mind. on, hands down, the best reference to Aaron Burr's duel with Alexander Hamilton is in the first Lonely Island video on on Saturday Night Live when that that thing Lazy Sunday. It's like a rap. And they're talking about going to see the Chronicles of Narnia and all that. And he's in, and he's in, you know he's he's rapping about the way rappers rap about Benjamins, right? Or Hunter. He's like you know, he goes. 
Girls acting like she never seen a 10 before. He's like, it's all about the Hamiltons, baby. Because it's Chris Parnell. It's like these two flame white guys rapping. Anyway, so later on in the rap, he says, you could call me Aaron Burr by the way I'm dropping Hamiltons. <laughs> Which I think is one of the funniest lines ever written. But, yeah, so there you go, the duels. But uh, it's but it seems like there's so, there's an example of... But, of, but of what a, I wanted to say about the duel... The right, duel, the duel, is the duel. That, is that that explains why we love sports. Because in sports, when you play a game, there's something at risk. Yeah. Like, it's an honor-shame game, right? There's right. something at risk, and the risk is you might lose. And that's why any sport right, that involves a game and a risk of losing... Uh, is in some way a ritualization of violence. Right? So even if the sport itself is not violent, like ping pong or something, what's, what's at stake? <laughs> a particularly bloody right. bout of badminton. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's, like... what's at stake is the honor of the athlete, right? Am I good enough to right. win this, this combat, right, this competition right. with this other person who is also skilled at this sport, like tennis or something? Right. And uh, to me... Every sport then becomes this kind of ritual yeah. right, where, where we're enacting that, that honor-shame game that uh, is, a, is a kind of ritualized form of violence. You know, and it's funny. I, I've just never – I've never been in – I've never really had that. I mean I played football in high school some, mm-hmm. and I had to get really worked up to kind of – you know, I was on the line and like, and I mean, I got char- charged at a tackling a quarterback or something. But for the most part, I could only do it like once, one season at a time. Then the next year, I wouldn't go out. It was just, but what I ended up, what, what I ended up really enjoying was, I mean, I'm for 14 years I skateboarded, but even then, it was like the honor shame thing and ha- like because everyone's trying tricks and you're missing and someone else hits it. And I don't know, it was a lot of pressure for me. And so I ended up to where my favorite thing in the world and what I spent a lot of time doing when I was high school was skateboarding by myself. Yeah. I would go to the Baptist Church parking lot or to the funeral home parking lot down the street from my house at 1 o'clock in the morning and just skate by myself. And it was just the pure joy of trying to overcome well, my fear. Well, it just shows that you're more civilized than the rest of us, Andrew. Yeah, well, I – or just – maybe I'm just afraid. Maybe I'm just not manly enough. I, yeah, I don't know. So, so I, I feel like we've, we've really kind of um, – kind of uh, run the gamut here of the ritualization of violence, you know, from... Have we been beaten by the ritualization of violence? Or have we conquered no, the ritualization I, well, of violence? Well, I don't know. I, I think we've wrestled it to a draw. We've wrestled the concept to we've a draw. We've wrestled it to a draw. And I, I think that um, there, there are just so many things that come together in human culture and history when we think about it along these lines. And there, there are so many... Uh, avenues of explaining ex- of explaining current people's behavior, yeah. right? Um, based on this concept, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's also maybe a lot of lessons to learn in terms of psychology, you know. Um, and I, I mean, I, I just did like a you know a Google Scholar search, and there are all these papers, of, you know, psychological papers about ritual violence and, and anthropological papers. And so there's there's a lot there. Um, I think that we ritualize things that. <sighs> To contain them or try to control them because I think that violence and rage is something that we feel out of control with. Sure, sure. See, and it's why – it's funny. It's like you see people who are heavily trained, either martial arts or law enforcement or, or some – sniper. Trained into combat. Right. They can be calm and still compete in, in a violent way. Sure. Because, I mean, like in martial arts, I mean, the fastest way to win – is to get the guy, other guy mad, 
Right. Because then he's not in control. Right. Right. You have to be cl- clear and in control. Right. And it's like, and that's why when I was growing up, and you know, people like getting fights in school or something. I've, I just avoid. I mean, I hated that because I could. I would. I'd feel out of control because I wasn't trained at it, and I and I would end up just having to go to the level of just rage. And and, and and just go nuts is kind of to try to, to try to survive the, the situation because right. because you feel so out of control and I think that that's a picture of the broader society in each of our psyches. There's this rage part. There's this 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 thing written in our DNA and our chemicals, so to speak, and we can't really contain it. So we find a way to control it by reproducing it, but in an only a moderate way or in competition right. or something. You know, in a ritual context, which is yeah. safe. Yeah. I think we should end this by. Uh, Having a ritual combat, we should, we should, we should. Let's <laughs> have an arm wrestle. No, no, let's have it. Let's have a thumb war. Oh my god! Come on, come on, let's have a thumb war. I, I mean, come on, come on. I, I feel like that. Would, what are you, I, chicken? I feel like in the honor shame game, both of us would lose. Do you by want just me? Engaging in do a you thumb want war. me to? What do you want me to? Do you want me to ritually cuss you to I get you <laughs> to goad you into this thumb war? Why? Why do we do an arm wrestle? You're afraid I'm going to win. Yeah, <laughs> if I got beat, if I got beat, if I got beat by you, hey, my I, thumbs are longer than yours anyway. Now you're stronger than you look. I remember, I remember when we were in the backyard and over at um, Tim Gray's house, and I was messing around with you, and you punched me in the arm, and it hurt pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that one, huh? Yeah, you put a, you, 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 you're hiding, you're hiding some, you're hiding some meat under that blazer. I'm, a, you know, but but I want skill and a thumb. I mean, that's that. There's some more skill in the thumb one. I don't but. think there's enough risk involved for me to oh. engage in this. I'm not combat. going to give you a chance to humiliate me on our podcast by <laughs> arm wrestling me. I guess. They can't see. I could just lie about what happened, and they'd be who are they going to believe? I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so whether you feel the rage inside or not, Chicken. or whether you've ever engaged in ritual violence, uh, or ever think uh, thoughts that uh, line up with those of the pre-Columbian. Uh, rich, religious fanatics <laughs> or the gladiators, uh, or this whether you've dark, ever played this, this sports. Is the, this is a dark. This is a dark ending this time. If you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever sacrificed someone <laughs> on top of a rock. Here I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll close this now. I'm, I'm Mark. If you've ever sacrificed someone on top of a rock, or cut someone's head off on a beach, or but very genteelly, here we are over the counter podcast. Yeah, we so. hope that you've never engaged in a duel or uh, or any or any other form of real ritual violence, but <laughs> perhaps. Right, you've gained engaged in the pseudo violence of football or some other sport. We're not sure. Pseudo violence. God, this is a very NPR episode, right? <laughs> well, regardless, you've reached the end of the over the counter podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. I am Andrew Whaley.